hear the conversation in a most unconversational manner. What was once a natural outflow of faith, something requiring little concentration, now felt like a cross between a theological exam, an acting class, and a knife-edge rescue operation. It is a bit like the Australian or American idol television competition. One of the most frequent criticisms from the judges, especially in the early stages, is that contestants' performances are self-conscious. I could see the cogs turning in your mind, say the judges, as you concentrated on the notes, scrambling for the lyrics, and counted out the dance moves, instead of just enjoying the song and engaging the audience. The parallel with evangelism is obvious. Sometimes we concentrate so hard on steering the conversation and remembering the correct content that we forget the joy of the good news and the privilege of sharing it with another human being. At that point, we've become overly self-conscious. Let me reiterate, evangelism courses per se are not the problem. Some Christians undergo such training without ever feeling self-conscious. Others feel self-conscious without ever being trained. Nevertheless, I suspect many would agree that this evangelistic self-consciousness is common amongst modern believers, with or without the help of evangelism training courses. Thankfully, my own evangelistic self-consciousness soon passed. After months of trying to perform as I had been taught, I decided to relax. I forgot about getting it right, getting it in order, and getting my conversation partner over the line. Instead, I decided to approach my gospel opportunities as if they were friendly conversations about my favourite topic. It was not long before I realised again that this is exactly what sharing the faith is. Part of my hope in writing this book is that a fresh biblical look at the topic of evangelistic mission will go some way toward dispelling Christian self-consciousness. The Gospel Download The second outlook I inherited from my days as a budding evangelist was equally unhelpful. I began to think that if I had an opportunity to say something about Christianity, I ought to say everything about it. I had spent months learning a gospel outline, complete with analogies and Bible verses. I somehow got it into my head that it was my duty to download the whole thing, no matter how passing the conversation about Christianity might have been. I don't know how many poor souls had to endure my sermonettes before I realized the glazed look in their eyes was not the look of spiritual wonder. In reality, most of our opportunities to speak about Christianity will occur in passing, in the to and fro of daily conversation. It should not surprise us then that the two clearest passages in the Bible calling on all believers to speak up for the Lord urge them simply to answer for the faith, to respond to people's comments, questions or criticisms with a gentle and gracious reply. Colossians 4 verses 5 and 6 and 1 Peter 3 verse 15. Most Christians are not evangelists in the technical New Testament sense of the word and should not be made to feel the pressure to be something they are not. The scriptures certainly urge us all to be open about our faith whenever opportunity allows, but doing the work of an evangelist, 2 Timothy 4.5, is something God's word asks only of some of us. Of course, if you have a chance to explain the whole message of Christ, please go for it. Evangelists do not have a monopoly here. My point is simply this. 
far more frequent than the full gospel opportunities will be the passing opportunities to offer brief nuggets about the faith to those around us. A relative at the Christmas lunch, a friend at the cafe, a parent on the sideline of the sporting field, and so on. On occasions like these, a gospel bite will usually prove more useful to your hearer than a gospel download. Reducing the Gospel The third unhelpful perspective I picked up in my early evangelism training concerns the gospel message itself. The particular course I studied summarised the gospel in the theological concepts of sin and grace. The goal of the presentation I'd memorised was to convince my hearers, one, that they were unworthy of God's acceptance because of their rebellion, and two, that God's acceptance was offered on the basis of faith alone, not through good works. The gospel, in other words, was condensed to two doctrines with little attempt to connect these ideas to the flesh and blood story of Jesus' birth, teaching, miracles, death, resurrection appearances, and return for judgment. Some gospel preaching today, including some gospel conversations,